0: You're listening to Comedy Central.
1: I was recently in, uh, in a place called Texarkana. I don't know if you heard of it yet. Yeah. Oh, you know it? Okay, yeah, well, it's a hole. so... And if you were there for any reason, you should really consider not going there again. It was awful. Now, I went there right after the election. Now, I didn't vote for Obama because I have felonies but I rooted for Obama, okay? I was at home saying, get him, Obama, get him. I just wanted stuff to change, you know? I wanted to see change in the country. So we got a black president. So I go to this town with all of these, like, in, you know, hill... hill there was a bumper sticker on a car that said, I am the proud father of a nephew. <laughs> this is the kind of place I'm talking about. So... So I, get out, I come out on stage, it's a nice crowd like this, and I, I said, yay, Obama! You know, just to break balls, you know, that's what I do. And I figured they'd laugh and go, oh, he just get, a hey, Skeeter! You hear what he said? He said, Obama, he did, we didn't vote roll. They just looked at me like I showed them math or something. Like I pulled out a book and showed them words. They were like, uh-uh, And, you know, they were those big, fat, professional Americans. You know what I'm talking about? I love America. (laughs) Oh, what do you do? Love America? (laughs) Don't like, don't like coloreds. Don't like Puerto Ricans, coloreds, and queers. But I love America. So, basically, you hate 95% of Americans, (laughs) but you love America. And so, one of them got up. I said, you guys are upset because we have a black president, and this one guy got up with his American flag hat on. That ain't got nothing to do with it, buddy. We don't like his policies. So, I said, if anybody in this building can spell policies, (laughs) I... (laughs) I will move on to another subject.
2: Welcome to Stand Up with Chris DiStefano. That was Mike DiStefano. No relation. His spelling our names different. He goes D-E, I go D-I. He's a great comedian. All the older comedians, the Jim Nortons, the Bobby Kellys of the world, the Colin Quince of the world, always say when they see me that they wish I was dead and he was still alive. So that's a nice thing to say <laughs> to a human being. Um, Nicole Boyce. Gail's daughter, Chloe. <laughs> We're here. Gail's daughter, Chloe. Gail's daughter, Chloe. GDC. We'll call her GDC for now. <laughs> GDC. Gail's daughter, Chloe. Um,
3: when, shout out to Gail's back here, honey. When did Mike DiStefano pass away?
2: Mike DiStefano, I want to say, passed away, I think it might be 2012, the same year the Stand Comedy Club, which his face is on, opened.
4: Yeah, he is. The, He's well, the logo. He is the logo for
2: that. the Stand Comedy Club, who just recently, their owner- One of the owners of the stand, Dave Kimowitz, is murdered. So this episode is going to be about people who performed at the stand. I've been at the stand. We're all part of, like, the stand family. Yeah.
4: Um, Good to, like, celebrate his life.
2: Yes. What
4: he brought to the community like this culture that he cultivated
2: because you know what Dave Kimowitz was he was the guy he really loved comedy yeah like he re- the all of them did like yeah. they love the other owners did love comedy but like you know they were come from a, a different background but mm-hmm. Dave like truly like the day-to-day business Dave like loved comedy like anybody who got the Tonight show or anything big like Dave was always there yeah, yeah. and he, you could genuinely always tell like he I, I could genuinely always tell when I saw Dave around someone who was getting good news, he was genuinely happy for them. He didn't, sometimes people, they'll be happy for you, but they'll be like, oh, why wasn't it me? Or how do I negotiate a deal, a better deal? They're always just thinking about themselves. Dave felt very selfless to me um, when I was around him. So I, that's why it's like, it's hard when anybody gets murdered, of course, but it's like, I mean, really Dave, like the really nice guy, like great guy Mm -hmm. with two little girls, like loved his family. Like that's who you killed like why would you do that you know like it's and it just showed like the story is is that the guy who killed dave was really going to kill his ex-girlfriend who was dave's nanny and it was just like it's just like this insecurity in men that's like so disgusting like she got he dumped from what the newspaper says she dumped him the the murderer she dumped him like a few hours before a few days before and like he just couldn't handle it so he went in and killed everybody and it's like it's the same thing with all these shootings like these mass shootings, it's just like, it's like these insecure, like weak men that just can't deal with things and then they have to do this. Sure. It's, it's yeah. like brutal. It's like, a because that's, it's the, it's the thing that scares me the most around any man is insecurity. Anytime I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with an insecure man, I do whatever I can to pick up on that and just try to make him feel as comfortable as he can. Think you about know. how
3: much energy has been spent historically, like appeasing those men. And then sure. when you don't do it, it's like, genocide
2: <laughs> of course it's, 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 it's the weakest thing ever that's yeah. why that's why I'm happy to be kind of gay mm. because it's like I'm not full gay but just to be down the middle kind of like <laughs> I'm on I got, I, got, I got a foot in both worlds uh. because like if a woman dumps me I don't care and if a guy doesn't say that I'm muscular I don't care because I'm just, I got, I'm just, I'm dealing with my own shit, you know? I'm very brave. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm being brave. <laughs> I'm okay, brave.
3: to be clear, though, you're not, you don't hook up with guys.
2: I don't hook up with guys. I'm not gay. I you was You do kidding. not have a foot in both. No, bro. I'm not gay. As a matter of fact, I'm not gay at all. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I am, I am, I, I think I'm a full-blown sex addict, is truthy. And oh the boy. reason why I'm bringing this up is because Dave Kimowitz, the late, great Dave Kimowitz, who was taken from us way too soon. Myself, Sherrod Smalls, and James Mad Dog Mattern were the three people that he said goodbye. Like, we were sitting at the stand Friday night. He was killed very early Saturday morning. Friday night, you know, we were on the late shows there and Mm -hmm. we were sitting outside. Sherrod was smoking weed. I was eating um, pizza, which is really good at the stand. And (laughs) James Mattern was putting uh, lotion on his head. And, Thank um, you for
4: painting us the
3: pictures. Well, the classic three yeah. things to do <laughs> outside of <laughs> comedy club. Yeah, so
2: just, you know, we have, we have mental illness. And uh, Sherrod was saying how he thinks I'm a sex addict. And, and I because and, we was saying like, you know, I just like can't stop. Like if I, even if I have sex, like I'm just, I feel like it's a hole that I'm filling sexually. And then Dave was like, right as he was leaving, like he had his car keys, his, he had his keys to his car. He's like, what are you guys talking about? And Sherrod was like, Chris is a sex addict. He was like, no, he was like, Chris, you're not a sex addict. He's like, you're not a sex addict. He was like, look. He was like, look at me talking. Dave was talking about himself. He's like, I'm not getting, you know, he's like, I'm married. He's like, but I'm not getting, you know, women that want to have sex with me all the time. He's like, because he's like, I have tits. He's like, he's just, (laughs) he was like, I have tits. He's like, so women don't like tits. He's like, but you don't have tits. He's like, so women want to have sex with you, and that's okay. He said, <laughs> and he was like talking to me, and he, and it, this is like the last moments, like that we all saw him. Even wow. Sharon mentioned it last night, yeah. and he was like, "You're not." He's like, "You're not a sex addict." He's like, "But use a condom most of the time." He's like, "Because you, you're young, you want to have fun," That's and then beautiful. and then he, and then he said, "Raw dog, Chrissy D," and we all laughed, and then he said, it was like so weird, like, and it's not about this is not about me at all, and you know whatever, but it's just like you know my own personal story is like about Dave, is like. He, and he was like yeah I'm going home he was like I'm going home you know to New Jersey he's like and then I'm gonna meet my family tomorrow at the Jersey Shore and it was like you know like he had no idea and it was just like
4: That's so fuck upsetting yeah Thank but
2: God. you know we me and Sherrod Sherrod Smalls and I feel at least you know we felt in the memorial last night um, you know we saw him like smile like you know like he like was really happy when mm. he left the stand um, and he was really happy about the club and I mean, it's such a beautiful room, so if you guys are in the New York City area, go to the stand, it's on East 16th Street, the brand new location, it's beautiful. Amazing food. Amazing food, amazing comedy. You know, I feel like as the comedy, New York City comedy community, like we can't let that club fail now for Dave, for Dave Kimowitz, the stand needs to be, it needs to be like the club and the place. Um, You know, obviously this, this hit our community, but then all the shootings, it's like, I don't know what's happening in this world yeah. but
4: well let's play some more people some more stand regulars
2: yeah uh, we let's got play some more from, straight white males <laughs> um, Big J who's the problem is
4: <laughs> Big J <Jay> Ogerson <laughs> and uh, Pete Davidson who are uh, oh. uh, yeah regulars at the stands
2: regulars at the stand and, and then Big, yeah.
4: after that we can keep telling more stand stories
2: let's do it have you ever been
4: to the stand I have not the new one the old one
2: okay well, well we'll tell you a story after this
5: what's the best talk show Mari
2: <laughs> Mari's the best I'm home
5: all day, as so I do this all night, so. I watch Mari, but fucking paternity test. Jerry Springer's no good. Jerry Springer's no good. Now, Jerry Springer, it's all fake bullshit stuff, but Mari, that's shit. That's real, that's human pain right there. I saw one, I tivo one indefinitely. a Couple weeks ago, they had like a 450 pound white girl, 450 she's holding a baby, and she's crying, some kind of a sauce. It was thicker than tears, I don't know what it was. It was like, it looked delicious. She wants to know who the father of this baby is, and they're testing nine black dudes, nine, nine. Yeah, and all nine black dudes were not the father, not one of them, not one even close. And he just gave it to him in one shot, which was great. They were all out there, and he just goes, You are all not the father. (laughs) And the stage just turned into a fuck. It was like a Wu-Tang Clan concert. Like, Yeah, motherfucker, fuck that baby. Fuck that bitch. Fuck that baby. They started shooting guns. Mari started dancing. It was awesome. (laughs) 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 The only two shows that are exciting for the drama are. uh, I like Mari, I like. Uh, I remember, they were doing the Dateline NBC. They were catching the predators. Great was that. It was a great show. I don't even know who I was rooting for at the end anymore. I know it's so like fucking, so weird. If you don't ever saw it, the Dateline NBC, what they would do is they would lure, like child molesters, over the internet to like a fake house to meet a kid, and then they would arrest them. But first, they would embarrass the shit out of them on national television. And these molesters, I mean, were so molestery. It was great. I mean, they were very, like... A lot of greasy mustaches and, and like, the, the khaki pants were involved. And it was great. And they were always nervous. And here's the thing I learned. I did not know this about pedophiles. I actually didn't know. This is something I learned watching that show. It's probably important to know. All pedophiles, apparently, love cookies. Those fuckers love snacks. <laughs> snacks and tea and whatever you can just fucking shove in front. They aren't in. They'd always be so nervous, when so them cookies came out, like, I don't know, are you a cop? I don't know, and they'd be like, like, you want some cookies? Like, fuck yeah, I want some cookies. Boom! And like, drinking daiquiris and shit. They're already naked. They take their clothes off. Like, I'm just gonna sit naked and eat some cookies. And crumbs all over their chest. Then the host came out. He was never cool. He was never cool. It's always a do. She just pops out. This guy is, is, couldn't be happier. He's in his greatest moment. Ever. He's gonna get the fuck this kid. He's eating cookies, naked, and all four walls come crashing down. That guy's like, "Hey, buddy, you enjoying those cookies?" And he's like, "Yeah." Now who the fuck are you? I'm Chris Hansen. And he always tells me the reveal of how old the girl was, and they act like they didn't know, which is funny. He's like, you know, that girl was 14 years old. They're always like, what? <laughs> no way. 14? I thought she said 41. Really? <laughs> <Daily. sighs> thanks, dude. I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 before you go, we have the online transcripts. And they always have the transcript in the chat and that's fucking bad the worst evidence ever i've never seen them and they get so bad so fast it's always the instant message from screen name i can't wait to fuck a 14 year old to screen name i'm so 14. he's like i'm 14. i know you sure positive 14 14. Right, maybe maybe i know when he reads the transcript it's hilarious because i can't even tell why he's mad He can't say any of the dirty words, so it doesn't sound that bad on TV. He always says blank. He's like, Did you say to this 14 year old girl, I want to blank you in your blank while you blank my blank blank? The guy's always confused, like, What? No? Did you just read me an empty mad libs? What the fuck was that? I want to verb you in your adjective noun while you pronoun my linking verb. What the fuck's a linking verb? Apparently, penis. (laughs) Oh, you want to hear a question somebody asked me recently? This is tough. This question has haunted me for months now. So I'm going to warn you, it's going to be a toughie. This guy asked me, what's the gayest thing I would do to fuck the hottest chick I've ever seen in my life? That's an unbelievable question. First of all, that question really comes in two parts. And each part gets its own gut reaction. You can't help it. What's the gayest thing you would do? Nothing. (laughs) To fuck the hottest chick ever. I'm listening. I'm still here. (laughs) I didn't walk away. How gay are we talking? It's because it's the hottest chick ever. As soon as they say that, there's a vision in your head. Who's the hottest celebrity chick, dude? So many, I have no idea. You don't know who your favorite is? Pick one favorite. Jessica Alba, good choice. She's pregnant, so weird. Guy likes an internal hand job. All right. Jessica Alba, let's just say hypothetically, comes up to you. She's like, hey, you, I'm gonna fuck you, but you gotta do something gay first. It's fucking confusing, isn't it? It's rough. It's hard to manifest in your head. I'll give you an option. No, let me, t- ask me if you, tell me if you do this. This is what I, this is what I figured out. Would you, to fuck Jessica Alba, touch another guy's dick? And before you say no, hear me out. Guy pulls his dick out. You just have to touch it. You don't have to teach it a lesson. You're not looking for answers. You're not trying to find the microfilm. You just got to give it like a fairy godmother. Like, you're a real boy. Ting, there's a sparkle. Everything is good. So your only part. Boing. Turn the pink part white for a second. It's already pink. White, pink. Dab it. You get the fuck, Jessica, up would you do it? You're goddamn right you would. It's an honest answer. It's an honest answer, but you know what? Not a ballsy answer because every guy would do that. Every guy would touch another guy's dick. That's what I figured out. To fuck the hottest chick. Every guy would do that and I have to believe that because I touch my friend's dicks for laughs. No pussy involved. Pure chuckles. Any one of my friends pulls their dicks in, I'm just right away slapping it. (laughs) Tickle balls. (laughs) That's getting hard, you faggot. I blame him, I don't take the blame. He's gay for enjoying my gentle, delicate touch. Man, what a queer.
0: No, I was, a, I was a loser in high school. It was my fault though. Like I realized that it, uh, it's my fault. I went to three different high schools. Okay, the first high school I went to, I was like, wow, everybody here is a fucking asshole. And then I got to another high school and I was like, wow, lightning strikes twice. Everybody here's a fucking asshole too. And then I got to the third high school and I was like, oh, it's me. And I was like, it was me the whole time. I looked down, I had a rolling school bag. I was like, perhaps I had something to do with this. I think it might've been my fault. No, fuck that. Why is the rolling school bag the gay one? I never understood that. That makes no sense to me. Grown, grown adults. Oh, you're a fucking loser, you have a rolling school bag. I never understood that. What, do you want to carry your books like a peasant? That makes no sense to me. Fucking roll down the hallways like a gene. all your fucking textbooks. What you doing? Studying, motherfucker. Like, why is that? Why was it lame? I never understood that. I had a rolling school bag for four years. I loved it. Yeah, even though I looked like I was waiting for a flight for like four years. People used to make fun of me and what sucked was I never flew before so I didn't know that they were making fun of me. I actually thought that they were helping me. I'd be like, hey man, can you help me find science? And they'd be like, yeah, I think it's in like Terminal 4. And I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I, um, Dormed. Dormed for, I went to college for a little bit. I dormed. Fucking hated it. Does anybody here dorm? Yeah? You go to NYU? You go here? No, where do you, what do you pe- gals go? Oh, you go to Pace. Whatever. <laughs> I feel like dorming for girls is fun though. It is, you have fun with your girlies, right? Yeah, because girls could, like, get their periods together and find out who A is or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, there you are. I know what girls do. (laughs) I hated dorming. I I feel like dorming with, like, any guys in your dorm right now? You? What's up, my man? Where do you dorm? Uh, You dorm now? Where at? Uh, 23rd. 23rd? So is that a dorm for a school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you go? West 23rd and 8th. <laughs> for what, for here? NYU? NYU? Oh, that's what's up. How many people in your dorm? Uh, three girls. Three girls? <laughs> we don't have enough time. <laughs> mm. We don't have, if we weren't shooting a special, it would be an hour of just... T- <laughs> Finding out everything about this young man. <laughs> One of them's your girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. <laughs> ex-girlfriend. So dope. <laughs> you just walk in like a G, like sup, babe, fucking walk in. That's so dope. When I went to college, it was four dudes, uh, in a room, like maybe from like here to hear, it was four dudes, it was awful. We would all wake up with boners and look at each other and we would be like, this isn't what I thought college would be at all. Everybody has to shit, nobody wants to go first. Fucking hated that, I hated my roommates. I remember one of them found out he had the biggest dick in the dorm and then all of a sudden he was making all the decisions all of a sudden. He's like, I think we're going to go bowling tonight. And I was like, oh, all right, big dick, Brian. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I used to jerk off when they were there. Fuck them. I don't give a shit. Yeah, fuck them. I won every night. They had no idea. Sick. I was jerking off when they were fucking typing. Awesome. I did it at night. I didn't do it during the day. I'm not a savage. All right. Yeah, it wasn't like four o'clock. Like, hey, what's up, bro? You ready for study hall? Like, it was like at night. No, I like to help people. This is how you jerk off uh, if you're sharing a room with somebody. Very simple. You get a very big bag of Doritos. Doesn't have to be Doritos. I just always go with Doritos. Get a big bag of chips, okay? And then you start crinkling it around with your non-jerking off hand, right? Creating some sort of an ambiance. And then while you're doing that, you jerk off. Yeah. They cancel each other out. My roommates just thought I had a snack every night. They're like, Pete eats Doritos every night for like a half hour and doesn't share them with anybody. And then when he's done eating, he goes, Oh, fuck! Fuck! Oh, fuck! Yes! Oh!
2: That was Big J. Okerson, Pete Davidson, great comics. I mean, Big J. Okerson is like one of the funniest guys alive yeah. listen to
3: the bonfire sirius listen, xm channel 95, channel 95. Comedy Comedy Central Central with, radio
2: with dan Soder, danny billions pete davidson just i mean legit celeb
3: i saw it the very first time i ever went to the original stand was in 2012 and i saw pete davidson right age 11
2: yeah i mean in 2000 <laughs> no genuinely let's think about this in 2012 what is he 25 now it's 2019 nicole math quick
4: Age eighteen. Oh, that is not. That's none of my job description. I, it's funny
3: because I remember his like
4: signature joke was like, "I just started college." Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else? That's funny. I'm gonna wear the same age. Crazy. Yeah. And same height, six one. Do you kidding. feel bad
2: that he's on SNL and you're with me and you guys are the same age?
4: <laughs> no. Do you feel bad that he's on SNL and he's younger than you and you're oh. with me? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Chloe, do you feel bad that he's on us now? I do. Uh, Chris, give
3: the give the <laughs> listeners just a small, not the full story, but just a snippet of your uh, Pete Davidson, Pete and Davidson, sorted history.
2: Shout out, you know, sorted. I haven't seen you in a while, but uh, I hope to see you soon, Pete Davidson. I'm <laughs> um, friends. Listen, when I was, uh, when was this? This was 2012. Uh-huh. Uh, the end of 2012 into 2013. No, I'm sorry, it was um, 2014. I apologize. The end of 2013 That's okay. into 2014. Um. Yeah, I was dating this girl, in love with her, right? Mm-hmm. Got fucking dumped. Vicious. <laughs> was spilling my heart out to Pete because he was one of my close, a very close friend. Mm-hmm. He's you know young, whatever. Starts hooking up with the girl who I was in love with who just dumped me. I was like, oh my god, I can't deal with this. It's this so painful, so painful. A week after I find that out, he gets on SNL. I was like, <gasps> oh, buddy. Uh, but hey, you know what though?
4: And that girl was Ariana Grande.
2: That girl was Ariana Grande. <laughs> um, that you, girl was
4: Kate Beckinsale.
2: Kate, oh, I would love, see, I, that's the one. Yeah. I, Ariana Grande's hot, so I was like, oh, fucking Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. She's the best. Um, <laughs> um, Wait, you were telling a story about P?
4: Well, no, I was saying,
2: like, you know, the good, the lesson about that stuff that I always think about is like, that was like really hard for me. I remember mm-hmm. it was May of 2014. It was like really fucking hard and i was just like oh my god like i felt like so like low but then like a year later mm-hmm. my daughter was born in may of 2015 oh, and it was wow. like the best mo- month of my whole life wow. so i was just like wow in just a year my whole life changed for the better so i was like i now i don't because of that lesson like i never really get too down anymore cuz i'm like things your luck can change so quickly totally. yeah totally so and that was like a lesson but but yeah the you know, a lot of things happened outside the old stand, which was yeah. on Third Avenue and Twenty First. Twenty First.
3: between Nineteenth and Twentieth.
2: Between Nineteenth and Twentieth. Yeah, right next to a Dunkin' Donuts and Patty McGee's bar. Um, and Tonic,
3: that bar. No, tonic, <laughs> tonic is a little bit further up. Yeah, it's a little. I further. used to live in the, When I first moved here, I bad, lived in bad. that neighborhood and like Grammarcy? made a lot of mistakes at Tonic. No, like a little a bit further up, like Murray Hill, Tonic like, Lane, where you go when you're 21 from Syracuse.
2: I think like what was great uh. about I think what was great about the stand, um, where it's it, where it initially was th- its new location on East 16th is beautiful and will be fantastic. But it's so new, so like it kind of hasn't been broken in yet. So that's why it's like good to go now and like see it and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. But the old stand, which like you know had some time there and and like really developed like its own kind of uh, its own like heartbeat. It it, mm-hmm. it was great. Because it actually New York City, like majority of the audience were native New Yorkers, Mm -hmm. which is rare in New York Mm -hmm. because a lot of people aren't from aren't native New Yorkers who live here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you go to the other clubs, although they're great, you deal with a lot of tourists. And it's just like a different vibe. We're like this club, like you could have jokes that could work like only at the stand because the Mm -hmm. crowd was like. You know, native New Yorker. So you can mm-hmm. talk a different kind of way with them or talk about something very specific, New York, yeah. that may not even get a laugh at say the comedy cellar but would get a big laugh at the stand
3: that's a yeah. real credit to, to dave and his partners because Absolutely. that was a very intentional um atmosphere that they kind of established right because they felt that way about comedy clubs yeah. and like by kind of elevating the food and the experience of the stand they made it a place that people just like wanted to go out to spend a night and yeah. so it wasn't just people who were here from out of town it was right. literal yeah. new yorkers looking for a fun night
2: and also you know that old stand you know the room downstairs was so like, you know, the low ceilings and it was like hot in there and it was very much like, you know, there was times where like, you know, the air conditioner would break in the middle of the summer but they would still just do the shows and like, I remember like some of like the best sets of my life Mm -hmm. and the best like times like in comedy, like standing, sitting outside the stand or like performing at the stand. We did
4: um, Sam J her album recording Mm -hmm. there for Comedy Central and she wanted to do an album that like didn't sound like other Comedy albums. She didn't want to do just the the mic on and like one audience mic. She had planted a bunch of mics around the audience. Okay. And because it has like this crazy sound to it, and you can hear Mm -hmm. the people talking in the audience, which is like crazy. Shout out Coach T.
6: Shout out Coach Coach T. T. Yeah, for
4: making that album. Me and my girlfriend also went to that recording, and she has like a really loud laugh, and you can like hear her laugh throughout. It's like one of my favorite albums to listen to because you can like hear her laugh and like what jokes she likes, like very noticeably. Yeah,
3: that's been a fun. Well, first of all, my Anne, who uh, I work for my has aunt. been a concert for <laughs> yeah. you know a very long time, and it's fun to watch to watch any sort of old. Yeah, because yeah. you can hear her laugh. You can hear her yeah. laugh. She has, very. She often. has the laugh. She has the laugh. Yeah. yeah.
2: What a great laugh. That's a good laugh. To you know, it's one of really another funny thing I just thought of about The Stand. The old one is the comedy cellar, um, the, the comedian's table was in the corner and it was facing the bathroom. And the bathroom, and it was just like a one stall bathroom, like a unisex. And for whatever, as, as beautiful as that club was and as much money as they made, Either they never wanted to fix the bathroom lock, <laughs> or they just, something happened with like where it was.
4: Yeah.
2: Like literally every time you were there, you could just sit and watch. Like we would all just sit and watch at times. Like somebody was going to get the door open on them taking a shit. Like it just <laughs> happened. Or like some audience member or like Amazing. a woman on it. So it was like mortifying people, but it was really funny. Like for us as comedians, be like, watch this guy as Noah. He's just going to walk in right now. This, you know, and it's like, boom. And you'd be like, oh my God. You would hear it all the time. And they just never fixed it. And it was really funny to us. I love that and I almost I wonder I almost think like because Dave was such a practical joker Dave Kimowitz I wonder if like he probably knew that and was like ah whatever <laughs> yeah. you know like I'll just leave it unlocked it's funny for the guys you know like I, 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 it was it was yeah it's uh
3: I once put on a probably around 2014 I like hosted an industry showcase at the stand before I worked at Comedy Central and worked in management and um two interesting things that happened that night one was that Tracy Morgan came and just like wanted to go on and went on for I want to say half an hour <laughs> probably more <laughs> in the middle of my <laughs> showcase yeah and the other thing was I was like <laughs> definitely going through some stuff at the time and taking Adderall which I no longer do and I remember giving it to Ari Shafir he's
2: another guy that's like a, a real stand guy yeah. like Ari Shafir because yeah. there certain not that there's ever there's no beef at all between the comedy seller and the stand I think they both support each other Those they're like the big like showcase clubs and new york city yeah but there were definitely stand like stand Mm, comedians um and i just feel like ari was one ari shafir was like he's like a stand comedian big j like they do both but like you when you think of the stand like you think of those judah friedlander like they're they're always there janine garofalo um they're always they were always there and they'll be at the new one too like that's the thing it's like you know we're talking about it's almost like that's what's beautiful about having the comedy club. It's like Dave, you know, like you know, we all have to say goodbye to him at his funeral and that's like sad and brutal, but it's like this comedy club like really can keep someone like alive. Totally. It's in, in a way it's like yeah. so strange. Like I'm cuz I'm that guy that I'm not the guy that's like kindred spirits and like sea salt, I don't believe in any of that shit.
4: Sea but salt?
2: I don't fucking know, you know, Himalayan sea salt bullshit, I don't know. I
3: think he means crystals.
2: Sea crystals,
4: Ah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay.
2: I don't believe in any of that stuff, I'm like shut up, like, you know, But but this, the comedy club, like the energy in there, it's like I feel like you can keep like Dave, like, I don't know, see him smile totally. and just, yeah. he's there. He's so, there, exactly. so. I, I know for me for sure, you know, like I, I'm i definitely just going to go past that club, you know, even if I'm not booked. Like I like I like to just go there. The vibe is good. So I suggest – and the good shows. I mean the, the, mm-hmm. I've done a few shows at the newsstand and it's got like that like rocking like underground New York City vibe mm-hmm. that's like yeah. really, really hard to capture but really, really cool. And I think for the audience, you know – you'll always get a great show there and like Chloe said great food really good food and great drinks so like go support it Um, when somebody dies like that someone from our community dies the positive thing about comedians and it's the same all over is like we do really like stick together and like come out and try to support each other Mm -hmm. and help each other you know and use like our gifts our sense of humor like you know Dave Kimowitz's brother said that you know he was like you know in a way he's like I'm not you know, obviously everybody wishes Dave was there. He's like, but if he died, like I'm happy that he owned this comedy club and made these relationship with you guys because you help us, your your skill sets like help us as the Kimowitz family get through this by like being funny and mm-hmm. telling us these stories that like if he was in another career you know he was like I don't want to hear from his real estate buddies <laughs> right. like another, I just don't want to hear them another
3: yeah. um, thing that's like pretty remarkable about the comedy community that's true elsewhere too but like it's not just rallying around and keeping someone's spirit alive it's helping out their family mm-hmm. like I, Greg Giraldo's family sure. like there, there's a lot of families out there that have been really helped by comedians sort of and you know as someone who I lost my dad when I was little and like his friends kind of like you know, had a little bit of money and it was like massively helpful. You know what I mean? It's sure. Like those things like mm-hmm. really go a long way. And Absolutely. And like thinking about those little girls and like two and four is so
2: yeah. little. It's yeah. so brutal.
3: That like anything we can do that makes it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that that that's a good part of it too is like, you know, the, you know, because Dave like touched so many people's lives in, uh, in entertainment, like, you know, people have made it like really far who have done well financially, I'm sure mm-hmm. will not, the, I don't know, even know what they need with the thing. But there's just, help with just there but it's is just, a fund. just a thing, yeah. There is a fund. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. And yeah. people, yeah. and you know, anyone can contribute if you're sort of moved.
2: Is there a fund? Do you know, there like. There is
3: absolutely a fund. Jay, Big Jay tweeted out recently.
2: Really? Um, oh, can where we? Where you
3: can just email it or yeah, even I'll Venmo?
2: Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, because I, I didn't know about that, oh, so would yeah. be good to know. And, to uh, you people. know,
3: anyone, of course, is, is welcome to donate to that if you're sort of so inclined. But yeah, just myself,
2: I didn't see that tweet.
3: For his little girls.
2: All right. Well,
3: the world is bleak, but we've got comedy to make it lighter
2: and that's the thing it's like you know the, that's that's why comedy is like such a life saving thing and why it's so important like that comedians are allowed to say whatever they want to say because it's like this is like even the Kimowitz family yesterday was like you know th- somebody would go up and talk from, mm-hmm. from the Kimowitz family and you know they're not professional comedians, so they would t- say something loving about him and and it would get somber and and it's necessary. And then a comedian would come up and say something like really funny and change the mood, and you would see the Kimowitzes laughing and he commented on that at the end. He said, "You know, thank you guys so much for doing this." He was like, because you know, as much as we were crying tonight, we were also laughing, and like you know those moments of laughter like mm-hmm. you know, just really break us out of this pain temporarily, and it's really like such a beautiful thing that you know that the comedians are able to do. So yeah. I was, cause I didn't get on stage or say anything. I was watching like everybody else and I was just like, wow, it is really awesome. Like to see like, you know, like Joe DeRosa was so funny and Jessica Kirson so funny. And what things that the big J so funny where it's like you do like, you know, you could laugh at, 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 you know, like really celebrate his life and not just, just always be sad and hugging. Like, you know, cause mm-hmm. Dave, I really believe like, cause I, Dave Kimowitz would really want you to be laughing yeah. you know and that's yeah. what his family kept saying like he would want us to be laughing he would want us to you know he was saying like his brother was telling this like really funny story about about you know Dave and the brother sending like dick pics and being like silly like that and he was like you know Dave he was like I know Dave would, would be like mad at me He was like I'm sure like in heaven he's like yelling at me but also <laughs> like okay fine you can tell them like he was like <laughs> both sides, you know. That's funny. He's like he'd be like, don't, 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 but okay, do it. Yeah,
4: yeah you yeah. know, cringe humor.
2: Cringe humor. Cringe, yeah, the cringe yeah. humor, which is where it all started with those guys. Hell yeah. Um,
4: and to, if you want to support the Kimowitz family, uh, the Venmo is the David Kimowitz Memorial Fund, and Zell is the David Kimowitz Memorial Fund at Gmail dot com. And you can also email that address uh, to send stories, pictures, and memories of David to be shared with his family.
2: Beautiful. Who do we got? Who's com? Who- Let's get some we're comedy.
4: Gonna end with Janine Garofalo. Yeah, on that note. Do it. Another stand regular.
2: Absolutely, like yeah, really a, a big time stand yeah, regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I only see Janine at the stand.
3: I'm, I used to work with Janine, like back in this era we were just talking about, like 2012 to th- 2016. She's mm-hmm. just such a. Special human being with such, it's kind of gone through so much. <laughs> like, yeah. They're yeah. like, now we all have like a little bit of retrospect. We're like, oh, wow, she was right about everything. Jenny. <laughs> That's like, so funny. She got yeah. completely iced out of yeah, the community for true. like being so anti Republican and like right. saying that the government was spying on us, which was all super
4: So accurate. true. <laughs> true. All right.
2: Garofalo, Italian last name. She could sniff out the rats. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right. See you next week, guys. Bye. Hi. Bye.
6: I would like to, before we get started, I've been doing this a lot lately, I'd like to check where my tights are. (laughs) Right? Yep. Right. All the way up, all the way, all the way up. In this economy, don't kid yourself, all the way up. They're called Spanx with an X. And uh, if you're not familiar with Spanx, it's a foundation garment and, Because here's, what, here's what's happening. I'm a, I'm a middle-aged lady, and, and as a middle-aged lady, I find that my balls are dropping at an alarming <laughs> an alarming rate. And, you know, as, as you may or may not know, if some of you are slightly older, it's like having a soup ladle down there, just clanging around, and in the dog days of August, there, sometimes it sticks to the side of your leg. So I find that some talc and a pair of Spanx, I get a lot more done in a day. <laughs> Renewed vigor. It's a... Because actually, it's, it's, it's it just, you know, it just, the Spanx, they just kind of, you know, because when these come off, it's like a bunch of water balloons or a melting candle. It's just, it just sort of keeps all your troops in one foxhole, so to speak, and I like it that way. Now, I want to tell you a bit of a cautionary tale about the Spanx, if you do decide to go down that road, and I, I would advise you to do so, because it just, it's just using your noodle. I'm on the plane to Australia, right? That's 22 hours. And put it this way, around hour 21, I had my Spanx on, some movement pants, a hoodie, and I just wasn't feeling at the top of my freshness game. I didn't feel like the lady I knew I could be when I landed in Australia. And out of respect for Australia, they've been through enough, I wanted to be a lady. So here's what I did. Here's where the cautionary, slightly indelicate part comes in. I went to the airplane bathroom. I took some hand sanitizer. I hit the key areas, wait! Not, that's not what you're thinking. I hit, I hit the key areas. I did not take hand sanitizer and touch me. I touched my Banks with the hand sanitizer in, in what, what would be the gusset area. And I want to tell you why. A, a, it just makes sense. I'm a pragmatist, if nothing else. B, the swine flu. It's a resourceful, resourceful <laughs> virus. Any portal of opportunity. We don't know. So, we don't know. So, again, I'm a lady. I'm a lady, so I land in Australia. Now here's the thing about putting hand sanitizer in your Spanx, it burns, oh my God, it burns uh, terribly and that's an evergreen burn. You won't soon forget you've done that. It's a, and I believe that I was victimized by a chemical uh, thing called deflagration. Now deflagration is a chemical process wherein um, heat is ignited in a kind of a closed area and it produces a very rapid and intense burn. Yes, it does. And it deflagration, because uh, let's be frank, it's a bit of a Petri dish in the area. You might as well have a Tesla coil and a Bunsen burner down there. You, it's, it's very complex. It's like an ant farm, and, in a way. And so it's an evergreen burn, as I mentioned. You'll, you'll not, you'll, it'll burn as you put your tray tables up and the plane lands, it'll burn as you wait for your luggage, it'll burn as you negotiate. Australia morning traffic, and I knew I couldn't go right to the hotel. I had to do a couple of radio shows before I go to the hotel. So, where I'm, uh, yeah, exactly. So, I'm going through it, and it, it is all consuming. It's an all consuming burn. And then, so then I get to the hotel finally. Time is of the essence. It's almost as if I have crazy leg syndrome. What is that, restless leg? I got the crazy legs. And so, I. I'm in, in the lobby, I get the key, I run up to my hotel room, open the door, Asian family, what the? I go running back, honestly, I go running back downstairs and I say to the concierge, there's a, there's a family in my room, um, so sorry. Now, they don't just give you a new card key. They have to get to the bottom of this. They have to get to the bottom of this. The chain of command and housekeeping, they have to understand how it could be that there is a room that was supposed to be ready that's not ready, b- b- you know, June, July, August. Anyway, so I'm, I'm dying. And then another concierge comes out and says, "Miss Garofalo, we're so sorry for the inconvenience. Here is a coupon for a free massage at the spa. Now, here's why I can't get a massage. Couple of reasons. The face hole in the table. It's not comfortable, and at my age, I can't have the pulling. I can't have it. I also... I, I, I can't have it. I also feel like when I'm getting a massage, that's when they're going to find The lump. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like somebody will be manipulating and go, hey, did you know? No. Nope. Because if you don't know, if you don't do any self-examinations or see a doctor ever, you'll live forever. That's, that's, how, that's how you do it. The diagnosis, it's what gets you. So you just have a don't ask, don't tell policy with any and all bodily functions. And that's how we do it. And also, here's something interesting. Have you ever noticed nobody has ever ordered... A grapefruit the size of a tumor. ever. <laughs> ever. And yet, so is there's no reciprocity. <laughs> Anybody who's flown internationally recently, um, the immigration card, the customs card. This right here, homeland security at its finest. This is all that stands betwixt you and utter chaos. So) <laughs> When I was flying internationally, I just want to share with you how we're being protected. You have to fill this out. First question. Do you have a communicable disease, physical or mental disorder, or are you a drug abuser or addict? (laughs) You can always depend on a junkie to check the right box. But here's the jewel in Homeland's crown. Have you ever been, or are you now involved in espionage? (laughs) Or sabotage? or in terrorist activities or genocide or between <laughs> or between nineteen thirty-three and nineteen forty-five were involved in any way in persecutions associated with Nazi Germany or its <laughs> allies. I was in deep cover for over 30 years. I worked for the CIA, the FBI, the MI5, and MI6. I lost my identity, my wife, my children, nay, I almost lost my mind. And what undid me after all these years? Why did I check yes? (laughs) Why would I, oh! Oh, you're good, Homeland Security. You're very, very good. (laughs) And then here's another interesting thing on the card. It says, important, if you answered yes to any of the above, please contact the American Embassy before you travel. Now, they don't give it to you till you're about to land. So I don't understand, unless, of course, we're going to Australia, which, as you know, when you get there, it's yesterday. So maybe yes, because you go through the event horizon or something, and the toilet goes the other way, and then yes, maybe. Maybe.
1: This has been a Comedy Central podcast.